Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, and let's get our imagination caps on. I want you to imagine such fast access to all of your data, even what I call field-fresh information that's less than a minute old, you know, like fresh-picked corn right out of the field, that when you ask a question, you get an informed answer in milliseconds. That's what I said. Not minutes, not hours, not days. You remember the spreadsheets stored around different computers in your company. No, no, no. Milliseconds. To us, that means real time. Now think of the powerful intelligence this would give you in response to customers who say, I want it now. And what about those do-or-die business decisions that come from management? We need it right now. With this with this essentially millisecond turnaround information, you'd have immediate and very deeper insights about your sales, your customers, and your pipeline, everything that matters to you. Well, guess what? A lot of organizations have already harnessed automated analytics And they are able to take a scientific and even predictive approach, you know what that means, to making their decisions right now today. And guess what? One more time. If they're your competitors, you'd better watch out because they're going to be winning even in this tough economy. So sit back, pour yourself a fresh cup of Joe, Earl, or OJ. And by the way, tell us what you're drinking at Pound Sign SAP Radio Coffee. And join us for Food for Thought as we explore the world of keeping it real, Real-time analytics. My very esteemed guests today are Tom Davenport from Babson College and Deloitte Analytics, Chris Dinkle from Deloitte, Alan Bondi, the Pulse Network, and Dan Kiernan from SAP. So let me introduce my first guest to you today, Tom Davenport. Tom holds the President's Chair in Information Technology and Management at Babson College, where he teaches MBAs and executives about decision-making and analytics. That's why he's perfect for today's topic. He's also a senior advisor to Deloitte Analytics. His most recent book is titled Analytics at Work, Smarter Decisions, Better Results. In 2003, Tom was named one of the top 25 consultants in the world. I said world, by Consulting Magazine. More recently, in 2007 and 8, he was named one of the 100 most influential people in the entire IT industry by Ziff Davis Magazines. Tom, I could go on and on singing your praises, but why don't we just bring you on and say, hello, how are you, Tom Davenport? No, please, Bonnie. Sing my praises for a little longer, if you would, please. No, just kidding. <laughs> Happy to All be right. Here. Well, you have written, co-authored, or edited 13 books, including the first books on analytical competition. I'm very impressed. I have a quote you sent me, Tom. I want to kick off our, our starting interview here. You say, analytics used to be a craft industry. Now, I see people with beads and, and stucco and, and uh, paper mache when you say craft industry, but now it's becoming industrialized. Many analytical decisions need to be delivered in milliseconds. There's that magic word, Tom, rather than months. Organizations need to plan now to move their analytical initiatives up the speed chain. And there's our speed word again. What do you mean by analytics used to be a craft industry, Tom? Well, it was kind of sort of a one-off thing. Uh, you could gather the requirements, go off, uh, noodle about them for a while, gather some data, come back in, you know, three months or so. Well, this is what the data are looking like. What do you think? And, of course, the decision maker said, no, that's not what I had in mind at all. Go back and do it all over again. So um, uh, very labor-intensive, very time-consuming, and 
um, not something I think that's consistent with the pace of, of business today. So we, we need to move to a much more, at least for most decisions, uh, we need to move to a much faster cycle time, a much more industrialized approach to how do we generate the analytics and, and be able to make fast decisions in the context of the, of the relevant business process. Tom, when did we get to be in such a hurry? Did it happen last year? Did it happen five years ago? Did it happen a millisecond ago? When did we feel this need or when did businesses sense that things have to happen this instant, the urgency? Well, I think um, it's it's been different for different types of information. I mean, um, obviously, if you were um, doing a fin- financial transaction on a credit card, um, that's been something that if we were going to do fraud analysis, we knew it had to be in real time before you, you know, took the goods that you bought and, and walked out of the store with them. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly the Internet has accelerated everybody's idea of how rapidly certain decisions should happen. And, um, you know, you, you can't can't ring the customer back on an internet and say, oh, I th- here, I thought of this product that you might be interested in. So <laughs> product true. recommendations have to be real time now in that environment. And I think it's really extended into other realms. Even if you're on the on the phone with a company or even dealing with a salesperson, you expect things to happen more or less in, in real time because they do on the internet. Tom, does it take a special trained, specially trained person to understand what to do with the analytics? You know, what do they say? A, a car is only as good as a driver. A, anything is only as good as the person using it. I guess I made that one up. Who are the people who know what to do with these analytics? What do you think? Well, that's, that is one of the constraining factors, Bonnie, and how um, aggressively companies can move into analytical decision-making. Um, we used to call the highest level of person um, who did this kind of work, you know, an analytical professional. Now we have a, a, an entirely new title for them called data scientists. These are basically people Ooh. who come up with new algorithms and can figure out um, how they can work in your business and then even embed them in, in real-time processes so that, that, that they can come instantaneously. And unfortunately, there aren't very many people who can do that sort of thing very well. So it's a, it's a real constraint for a lot of organizations. Now, chicken and egg question for you. I know we didn't plan on this, but it just dawned on me. Companies are saying, we want big data. We want to know more about our customers, our prospects, our competition, the marketplace, on and on and on. Where would the place in that, I'll use the word loosely, food chain, Tom Davenport, where in that food chain would this data scientist be? Would they be the one saying to the company, we should know this and this because we want to use it A, B, C, in those columns of information that will help us do business better. So where does this person belong? At the start, the finish, in the middle, or everywhere? Well, probably everywhere. I mean, you you find that it's... Um, analytics are, in many cases, not so much about the math, but about the relationships. So having that data scientist have a close relationship with a business decision maker, a head of marketing, for example. So the head of marketing would say, oh, I wonder, I wonder if we could do this. And the data scientist uh-huh. would very, very quickly say, well, absolutely. And these other companies do something very similar. And, you know, we could have a prototype for you in, within uh, two or three weeks. Um, that, I think, is what leads to real breakthroughs when you have analytics people in close proximity to uh, business people and you know at companies like Procter and Gamble now for for example for every one of their 29 business units they have an analytics person who is basically an advisor to the to the head of that business unit and helping them figure out you know what data do we have available and how could we make better better decisions in that part of the business 
terrific. I, I really wasn't planning on asking that, but as you're talking, I'm realizing we had to put paint the whole picture, Tom. With your permission, I would like to bring one of your Deloitte colleagues on to join us. I'm going to introduce Chris Dinkle. Chris is currently an IT leader responsible for the delivery of business intelligence and data analytics to the 45,000 professionals of the U.S. member firms of Deloitte. Chris has over 12 years managing, developing, and implementing large-scale complex systems. His experience includes all phases of the SDLC of enterprise-wide data warehouses. Chris, I can't fit this all on your door. I'm sorry. Too many accolades again. Welcome, Chris Dinkle, to Breakfast with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Bonnie. Good. Thank you for joining us. We're going to, Tom and I are going to listen to you tell us a little bit about your point of view now, and I'm going to kick you off with a quote here. You said to me, the business landscape is rapidly changing due to big computing, big data, and robust and extensible software capabilities. Forward-thinking companies, and that's really why we're, why we're here, is to talk to forward-thinking companies. Forward-thinking companies that embrace analytics can change their competitive dynamic by executing their core competencies and strategies better than their competitors. So the C word has emerged now, competition. Talk to me, Chris. What did you mean by this? Well, overall, you know, the, the volume of data that's available now to companies is, is tremendous. It's, it's very large. And folks were able to start actually taking advantage of that. It was only a couple of years ago that it was it was difficult, right? You had to figure out what your query was. You went and ran your query in order to populate some sort of report or dashboard or analytic. And, you know, a lot of times it would take hours, if not days, in some sort of paradigm in order for those things to execute. That The technology has completely changed now to a point where you're able to go through that data, mine through that data in seconds. And with that capability, you know, you're able to, the game changers, the folks that are, that are attempting to, to run their businesses better are able to have their, literally at their fingertips, that information so that they can make those strategic decisions instantaneously with, with, with a high degree of certainty that the data is telling them the truth about what's going on. Chris, what if we get to the point where so many companies in any particular industry, vertical, horizontal, so many companies are doing real-time data analytics that they all have the same advantage? How will we differentiate competitively? That will be an interesting time indeed. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've given that some thought because, of course, certainly the, the large buzzwords in, in the BI space and data analytics right now are certainly about, you know, big data and being able to competitively competitively mine through that. Right now, there are some cost, cost prohibitiveness to mm-hmm. the ability to be able to execute just because the cost is still there because it's such a, such a, you know, a new kind of form factor to be able to execute against. But when we get to that point, right, it, it's going to become a point of it will be almost like a Google-like paradigm where you're going to be able to, from an ad hoc perspective, ask any single question that might pop into your mind of what, what, what information you can find from your data. Getting to that point, I think, is still, still a ways off because we're still structuring our queries. We're still structuring our analysis. Um, the technologies are starting to become available to allow some of those ad hoc capabilities against big data to come into play. But that, that's going to be the next nexus after we have all of this large data at our fingertips that will have to be conquered. 
Thank you, Chris. Good information. I have a lot more to speak to you about. Would you believe we're already up to our break? And when we come back, we're going to find out what Wendy is drinking today, what Dave is drinking today, what Malcolm and Margo are drinking today. And I'm going to go back to Tom Davenport and Chris Dinkle and ask what's in your coffee or teacup today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Breakfast with Game Changers presented by SAP. We'll be right back. Fill that cup and be ready to tell me on the other side. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Breakfast with Game Changers. Welcome back. We have some coffee orders to take today. I understand through the grapevine that Wendy is drinking a caramel macchiato that her best friend Tracy dropped off. So kudos to Tracy for a good choice. Dave is drinking a venti non-fat latte with two splendors, please. And thank you, Dave. Malcolm is enjoying another Equator coffee masterpiece, La Boulange. Lucky I took French, Malcolm. Deep, dark, rich, and complex. And Margo is drinking Dopio Americano Colombiano. And you know they don't let me have caffeine these days, so I'm still drinking my Starbucks decaf mocha skim light with, oh, yes, light with. Anyway, Tom Davenport, what are you drinking today? 
Starbucks, black iced tea, venti, no water, no sugar. Wow. Hi, Tess. Thank you. And Chris Dinkle, what's in your cup today? Uh, venti caramel frappuccino. And we just got a message that Kristen isn't drinking coffee or tea. She's drinking cranberry juice. Bravo, Kristen. You're a lady after my own heart. Okay, Chris and Tom, I'm going to have you help me welcome our next guest, Alan Bondi, who has been on the show already. Alan is the CMO at the Pulse Network. He's an entrepreneur and industry watcher with 20 years in online marketing, CRM, and e-commerce. And he was named a top CMO on Twitter by Social Media Marketing Magazine in 2010. Welcome, Alan Bondi. How are you today? I'm terrific, Bonnie. Great to be back. Thank you so much. And what are you drinking? Let's get that out of the way. You know what? I'm drinking plain old orange juice. So, uh, oh, okay. You and you can join Kristen Mestri at the the juice bar this morning. I'm, I'm so anticipating. Let... I, I need the vitamin C going into the the flu season here. Oh, that's good. We have to talk about health, too. Now, let's talk about your quote. You told me, when we think about real-time analytics in the social arena, which is where you like to play, Alan, we're now talking about listening, the tracking of social discussions and how people are interacting with your business and with each other as they talk about your business. This is becoming a key foundation for a lot of CRM, not just social CRM. Alan, why don't you elaborate? So what I think is particularly interesting about social channels, and really they're, they're channels from a marketing perspective, whether we're talking about discussions on Facebook or viewing videos on YouTube, is that it offers, I think, a glimpse into customer behavior, into discussions that fit some of the themes that the other panelists have talked about, that it fits sort of the natural pace of as people are shopping or reviewing or sharing recipes, it sort of fits the natural rhythm of the way that people are interacting. And because those discussions are happening on social channels, we have a real neat glimpse into, you know, via the comments that they're making, for example, on Facebook, you know, really what they're thinking at that point in time, which provides very interesting opportunities from a contextual perspective. What do people think about the latest movie about the latest product, et cetera. So in terms of a source of information and insight, I think social channels really bring sort of an additional dimension to the discussion. The other side of the equation, which is equally, if not even more interesting, is if you think about the issue of scale, and I think both Chris and Tom talked about the challenge that businesses have as they sort of go down the path to big data and mm -hmm. potentially are overwhelmed with all that information and how you analyze it, I think there's also an interesting angle from a social perspective on how social tools and collaboration could actually help businesses scale by potentially creating sort of a social dynamic to the way that you analyze and even crowdsource insights from all this data that we're dealing with. Alan, when I'm thinking of real-time analytics and I'm thinking of Twitter in the same sentence or the same breath, if you will, I'm seeing a tweet happening in perhaps a millisecond, maybe not quite that fast, but to the human eye, it's pretty fast. I know I can tweet one message and it scrolls down and there are 50 other people who've tweeted in that same millisecond right after me and I can't even see mine on my own screen anymore. So my question to you is, isn't the fact that Social media today, so much of it, social business, if you will, is happening in real time with big quotes around that term. Would we need to apply analytics other than a person designated by a company to watch that Twitter feed, watch that stream, watch that site all day long or maybe 8, 12 hours and respond in a trained way? 
What do you think? So that's a great question. I think there's value in having people interacting, for example, on Twitter. And we've talked in other discussions about sort of the role of Twitter, say, in customer service. Um, but there's no doubt that think about the volumes that are coming in on all the different feeds and all the different topics. Um, we're collecting a different type of information if we sort of batch up all of those tweets and we batch mm-hmm. up sort of um, you know, certain topics based on tracking hashtags. I think that there's a different set of tools that we need and maybe a different set of expertise, but it's still a bunch of data that potentially holds, you know, there's, there's some needles in those haystacks of information in Twitter streams, just like there are within our databases, just like there are within our, you know, point of sale information within our uh, call logs from the call center. I think that it's important to think about these as just additional channels. And on each channel, like any other channel, there's a different language, there's a different format, there's a different type of uh, discussion, but they're all discussions, so we still have to analyze them. And ideally, we blend them, right? We cross the discussions we're seeing on social channels with the information that we already have on our customers, with maybe information that we gather from a call center. And I think the end game is a more complete view of what customers want and what our um, interactions are saying. And they're out there, right? Why not use them? I think that's the lesson is um, social channels are at our disposal. I think businesses are discovering that at a minimum they need to be following and tracking and listening to see what people are saying. Thank you. Now it makes sense to me. I'm thinking it's so real-time. You're saying collect the data, look at it, analyze it more deeply, get more clarity, more insights, predictive insights, if you will, into what you've already got. So in this case, the data is there. It's there right now in real-time, but you need to use it in a different and a better way. Am I right? I think that's right. I mean, some we could use real-time right back at you, if you will. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, we're we're collecting and it's going to fit into sort of our mix of other quote-unquote, archived data sets. And what's interesting is the language of the social channels in a lot of ways is closer to what customers really mean, what they're really saying. So I think it has a lot to do with, for example, text analysis, maybe more so than data analysis when you talk about channels like Twitter or Facebook. Thank you, Alan Bondi. And now I'm going to introduce our final panelist. Joining us today is Dan Kiernan. Dan is Marketing Director for SAP Data Warehousing at SAP Americas. With more than 15 years of experience working with large, <clears throat> excuse me, and mid-sized companies to help define and plan their BI and DW strategies, Dan brings extensive knowledge in business intelligence, enterprise resource planning, and data warehousing applications. He works within a larger group at SAP to help shape, define, and communicate SAP's BI and data warehousing strategies. Welcome, Dan Kiernan. And before you speak, think, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking? Well, I have a Kona coffee directly from Hawaii. Friends just came back last night, so this is my first cup. I feel like I have a taste of Hawaii in my cup this morning. That's pretty real time, I would say. Now, let me read your quote. You're going to bring something new to this conversation, Dan, so I'm very, very excited about this. You say, the market is beginning to realize that right time, R-I-G-H-T time, is a better term to use than real time. Why? Because the interpretation of real time differs across departments, across companies, across industries. Right time, on the other hand, implies that different business situations or events require different levels of response or action times depending on the needs of those asking for the information. Okay. Idea of right time versus real time. Talk to us, Dan Kiernan. Well, we've been hearing a lot about real-time analytics, and for a lot of people that means 
instant access to information as it happens, so almost instantaneously. And, and in some situations within the business, that is applicable. But for a lot of end users and for a lot of decision makers, right time is a better term because when they need information, depends very much on the specific situation and the specific use of the data. So it might mean that a delay of 10 minutes or two hours is acceptable, but the key is that having information when you need to make a critical decision, whether it's instantaneously or two hours um, from when the information enters a system, is really the key driver for a lot of decision-making in companies today. When you need the information at the right time is very critical as opposed to necessarily real-time second responses. Okay, good basis. Now, question is, how do you know who needs the information when? And I'm envisioning a long line at the airport check-in, and half of the people on the line are checking in for a flight that's two hours from now. They're following the rules. There's a half a dozen people who are supposed to be boarding a plane that's leaving in nine minutes. How do they get the attention of the the clerk or the agent at the desk saying, I need it now? So if you use that as as a model, Dan, how would people in the organization let the data scientists, shall we say, know that they need this, they don't really need it for an hour or they need it next week. How, how does that communication happen? Well, I think that's always somewhat of a struggle between the business users that need information and the data scientists or perhaps the IT departments that need to serve that up because if, if you're the um, IT, the, the person in charge of the data governance model serving up information to end users, I think if you listen to every business user out there, they would want information, all kinds of information at their fingertips now. Mm -hmm. So trying to decide um, from the many voices out there who needs what kind of information and when they need it, I think it's always going to be a challenge. So I think that's a dialogue uh, in, in a cultural change that has to happen in companies in terms of trying to decide and decipher who needs what kind of information and when they need it because serving up real-time information to everyone in the company uh, can be a very expensive and time-consuming undertaking. So I think that conversation has to happen in a meaningful way. You bet. And you know something? We have somebody who needs to have my attention right now for the next 60 seconds because Tom Davenport is leaving us, unfortunately. He's unable to stay for the rest of the show. So, Dan, I'm going to switch back to Tom Davenport. And, Tom, do you have any closing remarks? And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to give you the next 45 seconds. Talk to me. Okay. No, I... um I appreciate being on. I agree with Dan very much that, you know, we can't be real-time about everything. So um, I actually did a research project recently with Jim Snabe, the co-CEO of SAP, uh, Mm -hmm. which involved a big survey asking people what information do they really want um, quickly and what information are they willing to wait on. And interestingly enough, a lot of the organizations we we surveyed said nobody ever asked us this question before. So I think um, uh, given that we now have the possibility of real-time information if we're uh, willing to, you know, spend enough and work hard enough at it, we need to start ascertaining what information needs to be delivered that quickly and, and what can can wait a while. And it, it differs by economic environment, too. In a, in a tough economy like the one we're in now, the kind of information that people want quickly is very different from what they want um, at, uh, you know, in, in boom times. So uh, we need to ask on a regular basis. Tom Davenport, it's been a pleasure welcoming you on Breakfast with Game Changers today. Wishing you early, happy holidays to you and yours. I hope you'll come back another time in 2012 and we'll continue this conversation. Sound good? 
Absolutely. Thanks, Bonnie. Okay. This is Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to our halfway break. Refresh your cup, whatever juice, tea, or brew you are enjoying today. When we come back, I'm going to ask my guests, Chris and Dan and Alan, what a difference a day makes. Those of you old enough to remember the Dinah Washington song, I think she's the one who sang it. Can we really tell the difference between milliseconds, seconds, and minutes? Going back to our conversation about how fast you really need it now. See you on the other side. Don't even think of moving that dial, however you're listening to us. We'll be right back. the boardroom to you voice america business network are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats on free markets with dr mike beitler mike beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution listen to free markets with dr mike beitler thursday mornings at 10 a.m eastern time 7 a.m pacific on the voice america business network The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place listen to the visual workplace work that makes sense to find out Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We've just come off of the Great Recession, but we're not out of the woods yet. What will our world be like when we get back on course? Will the course even be the same as it was? For the answers you need to weathering this recovery, tune in every weekend to Going for Broke, How the New Normal Can Work for You, with your host, Eric Hovey. We'll clue you into businesses, individuals, and communities that are already making a difference and show you how you can do the same. Going for Broke airs live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Breakfast with Game Changers. Welcome back. I promise you I won't sing, but the song in my head is What a Difference a Day Makes, 24 Little Hours. I'm sure it was Dinah Washington. And my question to my guests, we still have Chris Dinkle and Alan Bondi and Dan Kiernan on with me. Can we really tell the difference between a millisecond, a second, and a minute? Who wants to take that one? Well, I'll start. Bonnie, this is Dan here. Um, Okay, Dan. I think you can, based on the... The business requirements. So, if you're in a, a, a if you're a clothing retailer and you are um, a cashier at a point of sale uh, 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 um, desk, and you need to know instantaneously what levels of inventory are are uh, what your levels of inventory are at, who's buying what, and the customer in front of you in terms of what their buying beha- behaviors, and you need to merge that all together to make a decision when the person's at, uh, at, at the cash register and cannot find a specific uh, clothing item and you're trying to suggest something else that's in stock, having that information available as it's happening um, in real time within the second is probably critical. So, so that, that would be a definition of millisecond or second response times. Uh, I appreciate else that. Another kind of business it doesn't need that kind of response time. They might need two, three, four minutes. Maybe they need two hours. So I think depending on your business need, you'll definitely know as a business user, as the end user, what second, what response time means for you. Yeah, Thank this, you. This, now, Alan, let me just add to that. Yes. That, uh, customers, especially if you think about online shopping this time of year, boy, the, the, the online shopper can certainly tell the difference between milliseconds and seconds in terms of being able to access product information or waiting for a transaction to clear. Um, what's interesting is the pace of what we're talking about. A lot of, um, I think, the, the influence for this sort of faster uh, information is being driven by sort of the consumer roles that we all have when we're online and the notion of how long does it take for a page of content to load or for a transaction to go through. I think that's conditioned mm-hmm. us, even in our business roles, that information should really be available and come back in a matter of, you know, three to five seconds, no longer than that, because we're just used to that, you know, when we're online. That's a good point, actually, because who wants an hourglass appearing on their screen waiting for anything these days? The expectations for instant everything is growing considerably thanks to changes in the consumerization of IT. So I think people's expectations for things happening fast in real time is very high, and they bring that to the workforce as well. Good points. Now, let's talk about the information stakeholders, and I'm going to change the word stakeholders actually to users. You talked about the retail situation. What kind of training is needed for people to know what to do with this information? It's great. You know, it's like spending a lot of time making a great dinner. You put it on the plate, you bring it out, people are having a conversation. Dinner gets cold. They're having a great time socializing, and the food is cold by the time they get to it, and they're thinking, oh, this doesn't really taste so great. So I know that's a a poor analogy, but I'm thinking in what case would we want something fresh to be really used fresh? So how do you train uh, in, let's say, a a consumer situation, retail? What's left of brick and mortar? How do they train people to understand when you go in and do a query on inventory, shall we say, at Sears or at Home Depot, that you can get it really fast if you do X, Y, and Z, and you can tell it to the consumer this way? What's what's that process? Anybody want to help with that? 
Well, I can start. This is Dan again. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's always uh, a bit of a dilemma in organizations in, in serving up information, whether it's real-time or not, that is meaningful and within the context of the decision. Because Thank you. Just because you have fast access to information, it doesn't mean by default that you're making right decisions based off of the right information. So there's uh, always a dilemma in terms of uh, having the end users so, so-called so trained in, certain, in terms of understanding the data in front of them in, in terms of either understanding the context of the information or the meaning of the information that they have before them. So there's always some level of training. It could be very simple because the information needed to analyze is just basically line item information or it could be a little more complex because there's something that needs to be done to that information, whether it's time series uh, analysis, et cetera, in order to make that information meaningful. Thank you. You put it very well, serving the information. Let's take it back into the corporate world, if you will, please. You have this information. We talked before about the marketing people, the business people, the data scientists, putting it all together in some kind of a logical and meaningful flow of who asks the question, who gets the information, who analyzes it, who serves it up. Dan, you you very aptly use that term. So if we go back into an organization and we say, okay, we've got XYZ types of data coming in. They're coming in in milliseconds. At what point do we train the marketing people to get that information and use it to design marketing programs that will keep a company competitive? Because that's what goes out the door. It's not what happens in the boardroom. It's how is it conveyed to your public? How is it conveyed to your, your customers, your prospects, and in your competitive landscape? So what's involved in terms of maximizing or optimizing, if you will, the value of this real-time analytics? We've got it. What do we do with it inside a company? So this, this is Alan. When I have my marketing hat on, in a way, I think of two dimensions of, of this challenge, right? Is, is one mm-hmm. is the packaging, and so the types of reports that we can create. Because not everybody within the organization needs to have sort of all the data. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, many people within an organization sort of just need the bottom line or the, you know, the status or the, the summary that could be presented in a report. So I think the packaging of the data is key. And then I think, you know, back to the notion of, of what we're learning from social channels is not only packaging that correctly, but also speaking the language of the audience. And, and we talk a lot about localization and globalization in general you know, in the enterprise software business, but in a way we need to speak the language of the consumer of that information. So a marketing audience wants certain, you know, wants it presented so that you can understand, you know, the market factors or competitive factors or the the brand index or or the language of of that team. Likewise, the financial department, which is also being fed some of this data, wants things more in the the language of the financial analysis. So I think Mm -hmm. how we package it and then how we essentially interpret it or even translate it to the business users, I think that's almost as important as whether the data is good or whether it's fresh or whether it's, uh, reliable or not. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going for. Chris Dinkle, what do you say about all this? Uh, you know, it's, again, to get back to Dan's point, it's, it really depends on who the end user is, who the consumer is. Mm-hmm. Um, we take a look at, at the timeliness of the data. Um, we also take a look at how quickly they want to be able to refresh that. From, from our internal perspective, we don't necessarily make those kinds of instant decisions 
based upon, for example, well, we, you know, we hear something in the market space and the color blue is going to be the color this year for mm-hmm. a certain type of fabric, right? So we don't make those kinds of, of decisions. Um, but we're starting, starting to take a good hard look and, and, and invest in technologies that are going to give us some of that human intuitiveness that comes into making decisions in order to assist and speed that process up. So we're taking a good hard look at that, and we're going to take advantage of that as we move forward. Question for all of you. Is there a school to teach companies how to, I call it, get real, meaning how to deal with real-time analytics? Is there a size company that should be looking at this? Should this be part of, well, it's a multi-part question, should a company that's starting up, it's a gleam in someone's eye, it's a business plan. Should they be planning to incorporate real-time analytics in their startup plan? Anybody? Yeah, Bonnie, this is Chris. Yeah, I would, they, they should definitely be doing that, right? It's, it's, part of the, it's part of the overall landscape nowadays, the same way that information technology is part of the overall landscape when you're, when you're trying to institute or, or start a business. Um, real-time analytics are going to give you the capabilities to understand how your product or service is being being utilized and, and the uptake within the marketplace. And then also it will allow you to be able to very quickly make decisions to order in order to ensure that you're able to be as competitive as possible against the other types of competitive pressures out there. Absolutely. the size of the company. Yep. Okay. Somebody what, was what just going to say something. Uh, uh, Bonnie, though, is yes. is uh, the fact that there's a real-time analytics is, is, a, is a buzzword that's now been around the marketplace for quite some time. But I don't think it's entered the, the maturity phase in terms of other technologies out there that support real-time business intelligence. So if you're a company looking to bring more business intelligence, real-time BI and analytics into your company, one of the things that you're challenged by is the array of different uh, technologies that support real-time analytics out there. Trying to sift through the array of technologies makes things quite difficult for a lot of companies in trying to understand and map back the right uh, real-time technology for the needs of the company that, um, that, that, that they're faced with. So would you say right now that it's an elite, a privilege to have real-time analytics full strength that only the biggest and the best can have, or is it reaching down into the ranks of smaller businesses? I, I can give somebody 15 seconds on that answer. Go. I would it? say uh, it's suitable for every size of company, and it really, once again, boils down to the to the needs that you assess within your own company to see how important it is to have instant access or close to instant access to information. Real time is not necessarily relegated to big or small. I think it's any company who does an assessment of what they need in terms of real time access to information. Thank you very much. We are heading for our third and final break. When we come back, it's time for the crystal ball segment. I'll be asking my guests, Chris Dinkle, Dan Kiernan, and Alan Bondi, to look into the crystal ball wherever they're sitting and predict how will real-time analytics look and feel. And will it really still be called real-time analytics? We're going to get real with a look ahead to 2017 when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Just take a quick break with us, and we'll come back with our final segment. See ya. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. 
sitting here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration, which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying breakfast with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Breakfast with Game Changers. Yes, and we are keeping it real. We're going to look into the crystal ball, and I'm going to ask my guest to predict what real-time analytics will look and feel like and perhaps even what it may be called in 2017. So let's start off with Chris Dinkle. What say is you, Chris? Uh, I think that what we'll be looking at when the 2017 timeframe rolls around, first of all, the proliferation of the use of tablets is going to cause, uh, I think, an overall move toward a single unifying technology um, so that irregardless of, what, of who your tablet manufacturer is, you'll be able to take advantage of information as well as not, not only the information consumption, but the ability to update and, and interact with data via a mobile device or via a tablet. So I think that's going to be a, a significant trend, um, certainly, that I'm seeing. Beyond that, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what might be uh, be kind of a disruptor. I think that there, there will probably be another disruptor in probably the next three to five years. Um, biotechnology is certainly taking off. It will be interesting to see, you know, there are capabilities now even where you're able to see information via a set of eyeglasses or potentially your contact lenses. So how that might interact with how we're, we're doing our daily business, how we lead our lives will be an extremely challenging and interesting um, hurdle that we work through. Then probably the, the, the final item is the uptake of predictive analytics. Predictive analytics are, are still 
they're still fairly in their infancy, but they're making great strides. There's certainly a lot of information and a lot of work that's going on within the context of predictive analytics. And irregardless of, of what the respective capabilities are, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is, is that we as human beings are going to recognize that these, are going to, these technologies are, are, are going to intuitively help us to make better decisions. So those capabilities will definitely be available in the marketplace, and that's what I'm seeing uh, potentially coming up by 2017. Thank you, Chris. And I, I'm thinking as you're speaking that we haven't really talked about the service aspect of doing business today. We've talked about it around it. We've mentioned it. But we haven't specifically said that the differentiator from my point of view, just as a, an everyday consumer, is how fast does somebody answer the phone? How quickly do they know who I am, know what I need? We're not talking about Big Brother here, but recognition and wanting to be of service, pure and simple. And the service aspect of anything, brick and mortar online, is critical, IMHO, in my humble opinion, for differentiating co- companies and allowing them to play competitively in their sandbox. Do you agree with that? 100%. Yep. So that's where this real time, the, the opportunity to get the data, to analyze it, to put it in a format that can be understood by the people who are trained to use it and who will understand the value of service. That's to me what it all boils down to. Let's move to Alan Bondi, 2017. What say you, Alan Bondi? Well, I, I barely know what I'm going to be doing next week, so this is always a stretch <laughs> for me. So okay. let me focus on sort of two dimensions here. The first one is and again, I'm thinking a lot about the social impact, but I think we can project that sort of the next wave of sort of enterprise, we'll call it Web 3.0, the social tools, the models, the approaches, really is going to get injected into not only real-time analytics, but also enterprise BI overall, creating sort of a more scaled-up, we'll call it collaborative business intelligence, where organizations are not only benefiting from the tools and from the data from those social channels, but in pockets, at least, there'll be groups of analysts that are truly collaborating and even crowdsourcing insights in the fullest sense of that term, so that we're really setting up ways so that people can not only take advantage of social data, but apply sort of social techniques in getting at the real good stuff within that data. So I think that's one dimension. The other one is really thinking about the injection of, and I I agree that predictive analytics are key. It's something that I actually focused on early on in my career when I was back in R&D. I think that this sort of injection of predictive analytics, heavy-duty analytics, real-time analytics within some of the data that's on these social channels. So, for example, you know, video content, both in terms of web content and social content, is taking off. But yet what you can do in terms of analyzing the behavior of consumers as they're, as they're watching that video is still pretty rudimentary. So I think that there's going to be a lot of innovation in terms of applying real-time analytics to that video content. And probably the other dimension there is blending even further, for example, location data, mobile data, in with the mm-hmm. social data, in with the archive data, so that ultimately, for good or bad, businesses will have finally this 360-degree view of the customer, and hopefully they'll use that insight mostly for good. Thank you. Great insights always, Alan Bondi. And let's move to Dan Kiernan from SAP, Crystal Ball Time. What sayest you, Dan? Well, I think the word real-time analytics that we use today won't even be a word we use uh, three, five years from now. I think it uh-huh. will become more mainstream. It, it, the, 
the shift will have changed where the technologies will be in place, the expectations for accessing information quickly will be there, and it will reach a, a level of maturity where the next paradigm shift will be the order of the day. Um, those, those could be in a number of different areas. I think what I see ahead is something that Chris has already talked about, which is making predictive more mainstream within the company. Right now it's within kind of the world of data scientists, I think moving predictive capabilities to the average business user so they can start to look ahead with, in, in a meaningful way in terms of trends that are coming up to make decisions based on looking at predictive capabilities will be one of the key things we're looking at in, in, in the next three to five years. Others will be focused on much more collaboration. Social media has changed how we connect and communicate with others, um, especially in our own personal lives. Moving the world of collaboration, making collective decisions based on collective decision-making capabilities is something I think will become more a part of the business world as we look to the next three to five years as well. And finally, more of a self-service approach to business intelligence. Right now, there's still a disconnect between IT and business users. IT tends to, in essence, control the amount of information served up to business users who constantly clamor for information to make decisions now. I think what we'll see is definitely a move in the direction we've already been seeing, which is providing end users um, no blocks to information access so they can make decisions without having to wait for it. So it's uh, definitely more of a self-service approach to business intelligence that will be widespread throughout the organization, I think will be a reality in, in the next three to five years. Thank you. And before I announce what's coming up in the next couple of weeks on the show, Dan, quickly, could you give me a 15-second example of predictive? In other words, what would you think we would want to know that we would know that would help? So give me a, a quick consumer example. I walk in a store. What would be new about predictive analytics in 2017 that, that a store couldn't do now? Well, let's say you walk into a store, you go up to the sales clerk, you're looking for some kind of um, clothing item. The the based on your profile, the the, the store clerk will um, be able to look to see what kind of trends that you might have been following based on social media, et cetera, and and try to look to see what you may be interested in the next clothing line that you could point the person to. That Thank you very example. much. Thank you. That's great. I want to tell everybody, next week I'm interviewing Carolyn Fitton, who's the co-author of Enterprise Mobility for Dummies. Yes, we're allowed to say dummies. It's one of the dummies books. We're going to talk about the brave new mobility world, taking control, zooming in on products and practices. And one of her chapters is actually called Gazing into the Mobility Crystal Ball. What could be more perfect for this show? On December 21st, I'm welcoming Anthony Leeper and Ray Wang talking about the future of CRM. December 28th, my three of my guests today, Day, Chris Dinkle and Dan Kiernan and Alan Bondi are going to be among a whole group of former guests coming on to talk about 2012 Game Changer predictions. So that's what's coming up here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I want to say thank you so much. You know who you are. Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm Kimberlin, Wendy Ann Nesbeth, Carolyn Brock. Uh, let's do a quick shout-out to Ariel Almat and Hernan Perez. You also know who you are. Thanks, everyone, for helping make the show a reality. We'll see you next week right here on Breakfast with Game Changers. Have a great day. Signing off.
Thanks again for tuning in to Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the breakfast conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.